Today's episode is sponsored by American Creative Consulting. If you need a fresh look for your business or side hustle, contact ACC for pricing. Specializing in high-quality, low-cost websites and design, their team of designers will be exactly what you need to succeed in 2020. Visit designedbyacc.com to get started now. Thanks for joining us this week on Behind the Pink Ribbon. Help us to share the word by sharing this podcast with a friend or family member. On this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Danny Grass from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Danny is a two-time cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in 2005 with stage four colon cancer at the age of 21. She was diagnosed a second time with breast cancer in 2016 at the age of 31. She candidly shares her experience with both cancers. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here with Danny today, and Danny is a two-time cancer survivor. She was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 21 in 2005. That was stage four. And then in 2016, at the age of 31, Danny was also diagnosed with breast cancer that was an invasive ductal carcinoma, uh, T2, and then N1. So, Danny, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you. It's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, looking forward to hearing your story, and I'm sure that all of our listeners are as well. So let's talk a little bit. Um, first of all, I mean, you were diagnosed with colon cancer in 2005 at the age of 21. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even begin to fathom, quite honestly, getting that diagnosis. Uh, yeah, it was pretty terrible. <laughs> Yeah, and especially at stage four, I would imagine that you, I mean, the the amount of treatment and surgeries and, you know, chemo, radiation, all of those things, whatever is involved in that, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not well-versed in, in that particular type of cancer, but I would guess that it's very consuming. It really was, um, considering I was still in college at the time. So, uh, I was diagnosed in December, um, just shortly after my uh, semester had finished for, um, <clears throat> for the quarter and, um, having to go back to school and pack up my things for the spring semester, oh. knowing that I had this journey ahead of me and still trying to go to college to complete my degree uh, was uh, a very daunting task. But So that spring semester yeah. would have been your last semester? Actually, um, I was on the five-year plan, so okay. no. It's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I ended up graduating the following December. Okay. Um, so did you take online classes then? Is that what you did? 
No, I was fortunate enough that my father worked in the same town where I was going to college. So he was able to drive me back and forth uh, to class from home so that I could have um, a chemo and then also attend class. Oh my gosh. So you're going through all of this cancer treatment and still going through classes. Yes. Wow. <clears throat> um, we decided that uh, as a family, um, because cancer doesn't just affect the individual that's going through the treatment, it affects everyone. That yes. the best course of action, because I was so young, was to keep my life as normal as possible. Yeah. And one way to do that was still going to college, still going out and hang out with my friends, um, going out dancing on Friday nights because, you know, that's what you do when you're 21. You go out and you party on the weekends. And um, I, I called my doctor while I was going through chemo and I said, look, I'm 21. I have to keep my life normal. Normal 21-year-olds go out on the weekend and I just need to know how many, how many drinks can I have? <laughs> And they said, well, we don't advise it. And I said, that's not what I asked. I asked, how many can I have? And they gave me a number. And that's what I stuck to throughout my treatments. I only had one treatment that was pushed back because my numbers were too low um, during that treatment set. Um, so after everything that I was doing, going to class, um, still being able to go out and be a normal 21-year-old. Um, I still ended up finishing chemo uh, about a week behind okay. uh, what they had anticipated. That's not horrible. No. <laughs> That's just, really, I mean, it was yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, really. So in terms of of that cancer, um, did you have surgeries? I, you know, you had the chemo. Do they do radiation? Was there medication? That's a great question. Um, so the chemo was called 5-F-U and not the swear word. Um, <laughs> Although it'd be though, great if it would, <laughs> if it were right? called that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we all know, uh, having been through any type of cancer, you feel that way anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, there was no radiation. Um, okay. I did have... Um, surgery. I had a colon resection. Okay. I had two and a half feet of my colon removed um, because my colon was not the normal length. It was actually longer than it should have been. And they feel that attributed in some way to hmm. the cancer that I did have because it wrapped around my spleen twice. Oh, wow. And, um, so I couldn't expel what right. I should have been able to in a timely fashion. And it kind of unfortunately sat in there. Um, Got it. So, um, so yes, I had two and a half feet of my colon re removed. Um, it was a six hour surgery. I was in the hospital for a while after that. Um, but no, no radiation, no treatments after um, nothing. Okay. So you kind of get through that journey, and mm -hmm. um, when when was kind of your your final treatment um, for that? 
that would have been September 2006. Okay. And then fast forward, we're now in 2016. And Mm -hmm. what happens then? I mean, did you have a lump? I mean, you were 31, so you weren't going in for, I'm assuming you probably weren't going in for mammograms um, because it wouldn't be recommended. So were you doing a self-breast exam? Were you going in just to see your gynecologist? How did that all come about for you? I actually had been bowling and uh, apparently was throwing the ball too hard. Um, And my arm was very sore um, and up under my underarm and uh, like a little, you know, the top portion of my chest where your um, arm meets the chest wall. And I was just kind of rubbing it, you know, trying to get the kink out. I figured I just did something to it. And that's when I noticed that there was a lump. Okay. So it was more up towards like your armpit. Yes. Area. Okay. Um, and I called the gynecologist right away and I said, I don't know what to do. I, I'm concerned. And he said, yep, so are we, um, we'll see you in five minutes. Okay. So, uh, I'm assuming because you have a previous history of cancer that they were like, oh, let's not play. Let's not, absolutely. let's not wait. We're not, you know, we're not concerned that this might just be related to her menstrual cycle or anything mm. like that. Like, let's get her in and let's, let's do this. Right. He okay. originally thought it was a cyst um, and tried to aspirate the cyst in the office and couldn't. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Um, I can't, I can't, I just, did he have a local anesthetic? <laughs> like what, no. what was happening there? No, it was very painful. Oh, I can't even imagine. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I had to go back to work. So they <sighs> did send me for a breast MRI and a um, ultrasound that week. Okay. Um, so he tried to take it out and was like, I, I can't get this out. So he was trying right. to do it with, and I'm kind of cringing here and my stomach is turning a little bit. Um but I want to kind of get an understanding. He was taking what it sounds like maybe a needle and mm-hmm. trying to pull it out. Yes, because he thought it was a cyst. Right. So he thought it was fluid filled oh. and he would be able to drain it and diminish the size of the lump at that point. Okay. Um, and wow. when, he no- when he found he couldn't, that's when he that's- said, we need more okay. information. Okay, so then you went for the MRI and the biopsy? Yes, so the MRI and the, um, they did an ultrasound and then they did a guided, um, ultrasound guided biopsy. Okay. Which was also not very pleasant. Yeah, no, not at all. The biopsy is Mm -hmm. not pleasant at all. Even though they say, no, it'll be, it's not that bad. No, it's bad. Uh, it's um, not yeah, easy. it is. Yeah. Well, the lymph, they found um, two lymph nodes that were also enlarged. Um, so not only did I have a biopsy in the tumor in the breast, but I also had one under my arm. Oh, so they the did it node. at the same time right there? Yes. Oh, interesting. I've never... Never have heard of that. 
they would do the biopsy right there at the same time with the lymph nodes. Yep. They did everything right then and there. Okay. And so, I mean, at this, at this point, you know, you've kind of been, you know, fast tracked through this. Absolutely. I would imagine that you're probably feeling pretty nervous, um, you know, that it is cancer. And so what were you kind of thinking? I mean, you had already gone through so much with a colon cancer and now you're, you know, sitting there facing the potential of breast cancer. What was going through your mind? The radiologist that was there um, that did the guided biopsy, um, she actually told us that it wasn't good um, while we were standing there in the office. Um, And we got the call a couple hours later. And when you say we, who was was with you? My mom. Your mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my um, my husband was there earlier in the day, and then when they said, "Now it's," we really think that it is based on what it looks like that it is cancer. Um, they'll someone will look at it, but it's very likely that it already is cancer. So my mom called my husband back and said, "You're not going to work today. You need to come back." We we need to all be together and work through this, talk through this and find out what we need to do next. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, again, it's, it's hard enough when you go through it one time, it's, it's hard again, being 21 going through it and then a second time and a different cancer and so much time has gone past between and thinking, you know, I'm good. You know, I mean, did you think that, I mean, did you have those feelings of like you, were you kind of blindsided by this or yes. did they kind of, okay. Okay. I mean, I, so the, this, the November before I had gone and seen my original colon oncologist and at that point, I was already post my diagnosis a full 10 years. Yeah. And after having 10 years of clean scans and, um, sorry, I could choke up. That's um, okay. It's he right. said that I was cancer-free. Mm. And six months later, I'm sitting back in another oncology office being told I have cancer again. Yeah, I can't. It was hard, to say the least. It was like being slapped in the face. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I can't begin to imagine. And, um, you know, I, I feel for you. I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm at a loss for words when things like this happen. And that would be the the case right now. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I feel for you. And I think that given your experience, that it is so important to share your story because I think, I mean, I think it's important to share everybody's story, but, um, you know, stories like this where that is the case where 10 years out, you're told that you're cancer free. And then the next thing you know, around the corner comes 
another diagnosis or even a different diagnosis. Right. And they, the doctors at uh, the oncology office that I went to this time were so amazing. Um, UPMC McGee um, has a cancer clinic that they do now. Um, It's something new that one of the um, oncology surgeons actually put together where you come in, you're there for eight hours, you meet your surgeon, your oncologist, your radiologist, if needed, um, a geneticist, um, any female um, care that you would need um, as far as um, egg preservation or um, anything like that. Uh, You basically meet the whole group of everybody that's going to be looking at your file as you move through the cancer process. And that is fantastic. It's it's amazing. (laughs) I just Uh, am like thinking, oh my gosh, how helpful that would have been, you know, at the time that I was diagnosed. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm sure it's overwhelming. To say the least. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But to have that knowledge that you have this team that is going to communicate and work together and just being able to get that information at one time. I mean, I just, I, that's, that's awesome. Is that um, part of glimmer of hope? Is that part of their program? I'm not sure. I would have to double check on that. Okay. I know that glimmer of hope, um, which has previously been on our podcast, um, Mm -hmm. they have worked with the local hospitals to create kind of this integrated, um, these integrated uh, treatment clinics where, Mm -hmm. you know, women under the age of 40 would have exposure to those kind of things. So I'm not sure if that's the same thing or if it's something different, but that's amazing. Yeah, it actually might be something different. I was actually interviewed by... um, one of our local news stations. Okay. Um, while I was going through chemo to specifically talk about this new program oh. that uh, McGee was offering, Wonderful. and the uh, breast surgeon that I worked with, the uh, oncology breast surgeon that I worked with, um, was head of this program. And uh, they had asked me if I wanted to do that. And I said, absolutely. Okay. And that was. That was an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I have to, to be able up. to share that information. <laughs> I'm sure, I can find it. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you talked about meeting with all of these people, and again, mm-hmm. it, I'm sure it was very, very overwhelming. Um, I'm hoping you had somebody with you first of all. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Never go anywhere without a pen and paper or another person to listen yes. in. Um, yes. <laughs> just because uh, even though it, when you first start out, you come to find that chemo brain is such a thing um, later on through all of this, but you're you're very overwhelmed and it's always helpful to have an extra set of ears in my case i brought three sets um that's fine with me (laughs) i think that's great because we all hear different things exactly and even now um 
preparing for your podcast, I was discussing this with my mom and my husband and she said they were both like, yeah, we all heard, you know, bits and pieces and different things throughout. And we had to write down all the questions again and go through step by step and write down all the answers so that we were all on the same page because we heard four different sets of information. Right. All closely related, but still <laughs> yeah. four different things. It's kind of like a putting a puzzle together where, you know, somebody's Absolutely. got this bit of information, somebody over here has this, and, you know, now let's kind mm-hmm. of put all the puzzle together. So right. um, did you um, did you find out, did you go through the genetic testing, first of all, and then did you find out that you have a genetic mutation? I did. Um, the lady that did all the genetic information. Um, she was great to work with. Uh, I think I called them like four or five times just to make sure that I understood the results. And yes, I am, um, BRCA1 positive, um, along with, uh, my aunt, my sister and two of my cousins. Okay. And so is this on the paternal side or the maternal side of your family? It is on the paternal side. And did your, is your dad still alive? Yes. And did, was he tested for it? He was not. uh, They, I believe the reasoning they did not test him was because there was such a large likelihood that he was a carrier of it because (laughs) It was his, it's his sister and okay. his two daughters um, and two nieces Okay, uh, that ended up with it. Okay. So, but even still for him, that would kind of change some wellness checkups in terms of having that genetic mutation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we always remind him that he has to do that, <laughs> but yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then... Um, and. Go ahead. Uh, because of the genetic mutation and finding out that information, um, and this is probably where you were going to go and you took the words out of your mouth, um, I did end up having um, a double mastectomy and okay. reconstruction. Okay. Um, because we've, we've been through cancer once um, and then finding out you have cancer twice is very, very difficult. And I couldn't imagine at this point having to do that again. And if there was something that I could do to prevent another cancer diagnosis, I was going to do it. Absolutely. Um, they, yeah. they said with the BRCA mutation, I'm sure uh, they mentioned that to you, that the likelihood of you having a reoccurrence is huge. Um, I think they said 2% increased exponentially each year until you have cancer again. Right. And I wasn't willing to play those odds. Absolutely. No. And I am 110% right there with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so have you at this point, just because 
you know, with a, the BRCA mutation, either one, there's always that risk of also developing ovarian cancer. So have mm-hmm. you already gone through like the hysterectomy and oophorectomy, or is that something that's kind of out there and you're waiting? Um, where are you with that? Uh, we, we're waiting. Okay. Um, with, uh, in talking with my oncologist, um, she said no later than when I'm 40. Right. So I still have a few years. Um, and unfortunately, um, I did go through and have my eggs frozen, Mm -hmm. um, before the chemo process started. Um, so I did not have the opportunity to utilize those yet and don't currently have children. So I would like to be able to do that before I, um, I have to go through that too. Right. Yeah. And I, I hear the emotion in your voice and, you know, I can, um, share the same sentiment. Um, you know, it's, it's very often that they do pretty quickly ask you to start considering the oophorectomy and the hysterectomy. And I, like Mm -hmm. you was not ready. Um, you know, I wasn't quite sure if children were in my future or not. And, you know, so I waited and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, you have to make some pretty hefty decisions for yourself and for your family. And, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be what's, what's right for you. So, um, absolutely. I'm a very big proponent, um, of you have to know the information Uh, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And the only way for you to make a decision that will help you through the rest of your life is to have that knowledge and you have to move forward knowing that you've made the right decisions for you and your family moving forward. Right. Um, so, uh, I'm a hundred percent on that. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, you know, again, with being a two time survivor, what, what does that mean to you? Like what does, when somebody's, you know, says the word survivor, what does that mean for you, for Danny? That means I've been through a whole lot and I've made it out the other side and if cancer is the worst thing that someone can go through and I've been there twice and I've made it out the other side, then I can get through anything. Yeah. You are just, I mean, amazing to have that, to have that positivity um, from this experience is nothing short of amazing um, and powerful and hopeful for other people. Um, There were, were days that I wasn't. (laughs) Oh, and I Um, think everybody's that way for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have those days. I feel like you have to have those days just to remind ourselves that we're real (laughs) and that we have feelings and emotions and, um, you know, all of those different things. So yeah, it's, um, 
you know, it's not always rainbows and, and flowers and unicorns every single day. Um, but you know. <laughs> even though we would love it to be. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so kind of thinking about it, I mean, you obviously, you have the support of your parents and, um, you know, it sounds like your family around you and, you know, not again, not just once, but twice. And, you know, the second time having your husband around, um, was he there as part of the first diagnosis? Was he, I mean, is this somebody that you kind of met during college or, you know, was he any part of that? Actually he was, um, we've been married for, um, eight years this year. Yeah. And we've been together for 15. Okay. Um, so he was with me through the first chemo, um, <clears throat> the diagnosis of cancer, the chemotherapy, um, the whole nine yards. And um, I expected from him nothing less the second time. And he did not disappoint. He's an amazing, amazing person. Um, and I'm so thankful to have him in my life. Yeah. He sounds like an amazing person. He sounds, he I mean, is. I have to say that there, not everybody can deal with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of hard sometimes when we sit there and we're, the, we're the people that are the survivors and we're thinking, well, I, I have to handle it. Right. But, um, right. you know, I have to deal with it, but there truly are some people that they cannot. And, um, you know, I love that you have this person in your life who clearly has supported you through both of these diagnoses, um, and continues to do so. Um, you know, I think that's absolutely, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So what are He's my rock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sounds like it. Um, Definitely keep him around. So other than your family, (laughs) other than your your family and and your husband, um, what are other sources of support that you've had that have been really helpful for you? Well, um, after chemo um, and surgery and everything, I uh, was introduced to Steel City Dragons and Pink Steel. Yeah. Um, Our (laughs) breast cancer survivor, um, dragon boat team here in Pittsburgh. And they are a group of amazing women and strong and not just physically, but, um, emotionally and and mentally strong women. And I could not have, have asked for a better support and team to be a part of um, after this, because we all know that even though you've been through chemo, you've done your surgeries and you're not seeing your doctors every week or every other week, you're still, you still need that support after all is said and done. Yes. And to have groups like that are amazing because we still need that support um, years into the future. And, uh, I'm so blessed to have them in my life. Yeah. And I can, uh, so unfortunately we did not have the pleasure of paddling together with pink steel, 
I left um, in 2015. I moved to Arizona. And so I did not have that that pleasure to paddle with you, but I know exactly what you're talking about um, in terms of those women and um, the support that you get as, you know, part of that team. So one day we will get to paddle together. I'm sure of it. Absolutely. Let's make it a plan. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) For sure. Well, I want to say thank you so much um, for being willing to come on here and share your story. I know that it certainly wasn't easy. And I know that there were certainly um, moments where emotions were running high. And I appreciate your vulnerability. You really have to be able to be yourself um, with those around you who've also been through what you've been through, because that's the only way that we can be a community and help each other through is to let other people know that it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be mad uh, and sad and really, really happy um, and all the emotions in between. Right. Um, So, yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And one last thing before we go, um, I do Mm want to give a shout out to Debbie Moon, um, who happens to be a mutual paddling partner. <laughs> um, She's amazing. Yes, I love that woman. Um, so I do want to give a shout out to her for sending me a message and saying, I feel like I have somebody that really needs to tell their story on your podcast. So, um, you know, big shout out to her. And again, Absolutely. thank you. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, if I can help in any way, um, please let me know. Okay. Will do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.